Hello and welcome to The Root Gospel Ministries. We're so glad you're here. I'm Josh and this is Sam. Our mission includes spreading the gospel, cultivating fellowship, and pointing to Christ, all while incorporating the Word of God to help serve God, community, and the world. glad that you're all here back in my house that we call it the summit and um, I'm really looking forward to this message today. So today we will be back in our series called Asking for a Friend and that is a compilation of three different topics that were requested by people at Bible study and so all of these are, are by you guys and then you know it's it's really in line with the purpose of the route where it's it's requested by you guys and, and then it's done by us. Uh, that's exactly how we want to operate. We're really happy that we're able to do it this way. So that is, uh, that is the series. The message we will be talking about today would be the difference between real Christianity and fake Christianity. Or maybe even we could say uh, a look into authentic Christianity or something along those lines. But I think that we need to come to the Father in a, in a word of prayer before we really get started. So let's just go real quick. Uh, Dear Father, just thank you so much for being such a loving and faithful Father. I, I pray that uh, in this message you can work through me and, and use me to deliver the message that you want the audience to hear. I pray you can give me confidence and authenticity um, and, and just help me bring the most important message to everybody, that being the Gospel. Thank you so much for your Son and everything that he did for us uh, just to reconcile us back to you. I pray for everybody listening to this message that you can just soften their hearts and, and help them see their iniquities and help them examine themselves in the way that they were meant to be examined. Uh, in your name we pray, Lord. Amen. Alright, so uh, I'm looking forward to this message. It should be a good time. But I want to say kind of a quick story before we really, really get into it. So this story actually has to do with the root. And uh, it comes back from even, it might have been the Bible study where we requested or got these requested topics. So, uh, someone came to the Bible study and she was wearing some really cool shoes and I don't know if you know this about me, but I, I consider maybe shoe collection a hobby. I think it's fun. I, I'm not, you know, I wouldn't consider myself a sneakerhead, but I think that uh, shoes are cool and I like to uh, look at them from time to time, you know, just, just think they're fun. So she walks in with these shoes, they're called Air Jordan 1 Dior's and, and I'm looking at her and I'm like, oh my goodness, these shoes are like some of the most rare pairs of shoes out there in the entire world. I know that they're selling for somewhere around $10,000 and I just couldn't believe it but you know I'm there to do a discussion I'm supposed to be kind of focused and, and working with that so like okay okay like I can't ask a question in front of everybody about someone's shoes like I'll talk to her later or something so we go out you know, throughout the, the discussion and I'm just trying to kind of you know focus on the discussion but I keep looking at her shoes just intermittently as things go on like, oh my goodness, those shoes are so cool and they're so expensive and just so, it's so crazy that she has these. I didn't think I'd ever see them in real life, ever. And I just, I couldn't get that out of my mind. And so, you know, after the discussion, after everybody's heading back, I, I went up to her and I'm like, you know, where did you get these shoes? How do you have these shoes? That's crazy. They're so cool. And she's like, oh, thanks. And she's like, yeah, you, you like them. And I'm like, oh, oh yeah, of course. I. I didn't think I'd ever see them in my life. And she's like, and, and you think they're real? And I'm like, yeah, they, they, they look real to me. I haven't really seen them up close, but they, they look real to me. And she's like, well, all right. And I'm like, they're, they're real, right? And she's like, yeah, yeah, they're real. <laughs> We're kind of sitting there for a second. And, she, and 
that yeah that's crazy and she's like okay okay they're not real they're, they're totally fake and I was like those are fakes like there's no way she's like yeah they're fake I got them you know I don't remember what website and I just could not believe that they were fake they appeared so real so authentic to me you know and I wasn't necessarily hurt by it or anything by any means I was just almost in a way impressed at how authentic those shoes looked and and of course, I, I thought it almost, you know, it, it might be absurd to spend $10,000 on a pair of shoes anyway. So I thought, you know, maybe it's good that they're fakes in the first place. Uh, but I just could not believe it. Uh, and, and that's really kind of this, this message that we're working with today is uh, you can appear to be absolutely authentic on the outside in terms of Christianity or in anything. But, you know, what's on, it's what is on the inside that matters. You know, it, those shoes were truly fakes, but I had no idea. I had no, no idea. But of course, she knew whether those shoes were truly real or not. Uh, on the inside, everybody is aware of the truth about especially the shoes. So the first piece of scripture I want to start with is Matthew seven twenty one through 23. It says, Not everyone who says to me, this is Jesus speaking, uh, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven, on that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name, and cast out demons in your name, and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So, you know, that's kind of a scary story, right? Because you sit down and you think, yo, there's a lot of talk. We, we heard Sam's message on... It was called the root to fruit, and we're talking about fruit right now, and, and you're almost talking about it here in this message, and you're thinking, you know, sounds like these people had some pretty good fruit, at least. They, they did some faithful works in God. But what Jesus is saying is that they do not have a relationship with him. They do not know Jesus. And that is what is important, as it says in John 14, 6, there is only one way to heaven, and that is through Jesus. And so it's kind of a scary a little story right here, this little excerpt, because you sit down and you might even put yourself in the, sho in the shoes and you're like, do I really know Jesus? Do I really know him? Because, you know, I might be able to say I do this or that in my life, but is that, is that all just making me look authentic on the outside and then on the inside I'm not really there? And that is really the purpose of this message, for you to examine yourself and see whether your faith is truly authentic or whether there are some places uh, that you should be. And so um, the, the next piece of scripture was really along those lines in 2 Corinthians 13, 5. And it says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. So that is, in, in other words, just reinforcing the fact that in this message, all we want you to do is examine yourself. And if you've got some places to go, uh, we'll try to equip you to do that. So the longest piece of scripture that we'll be in today, the, the largest part, would be Matthew 6, 1 through 24. Uh, but that is so long, and there's so much scripture on this topic of, of real Christianity, or I guess you could say on, on fake Christianity, that I couldn't really fit in all of it. So I decided I'd just kind of give a paraphrase. Now, Matthew 6, 1 through 24 is kind of this area where uh, Jesus, you know, he is able to express whether you know faith is for man or for God and so it's kind of like if you're truly being a Christian for loving God or in response to God's love for you or if you're doing it as some sort of outward expression 
And he just kind of goes back and forth on this the whole time. So what we'll see here, I'm going to read Matthew 6, 1. It says, uh, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. And so, you know, the, the next question you got to ask yourself is, is my faith in God or um, is, my, is my Christianity in response to God's love or is it really just for some other reason? Is, it, is that why I'm a Christian? Is it because of God's love or is it for something else? Because if it's something else, uh, then you know, there would be technically an issue. So Jesus kind of moves on in this, in this whole story and what he's working with disciples and Pharisees, and, and he moves on by giving examples of outward versus inward faith, we'll say. Um, of course, in this circumstance, the inward faith is, is good and the outward faith is bad because that's what we're doing for man. So we see uh, he talks about giving. So, you know, you're supposed to give your 10% your tithe or, you know, maybe you give some of your time. Whatever you might give, it says, uh, don't let anybody know about your giving. Uh, it is between you and God. Now, that's not the exact words that Jesus used, but I'm going to kind of paraphrase for all of these. The next thing that Jesus moves to is praying. Um, and it says, uh, basically, don't pray so that others can hear you. Pray so that God can hear you. Um, and so, you know, this is when Jesus actually gives the Lord's Prayer. And it is that, that spot where he kind of talks about you know, being concise and, and praying to God the Father truly about what is on your heart rather than, you know, whatever, trying to make a long, eloquent prayer and just being honest with God. That's what he wants from you. When it's red. We're good. Okay, I'm starting. Sorry, we had an impromptu snowball fight. I mean, it's a beautiful day out here. It's a beautiful, beautiful winter day. So we had to go have a snowball fight real quick. But uh, we'll get back into it right here. So what I must say is uh, Jesus starts talking about fasting. So what he's saying is uh, when you are fasting, you should not fast in order to be seen or noticed. It should be something that is between you and God. It is, it is meant to be a way for you to recognize who God is and also how human and how broken you are. And it's supposed to equip you to fight against the fleshly desires. Of course, you know, we all desire to eat. It's something that is necessary to the flesh, but it helps you fight temptation in, in that practice. But it's not meant to make you look more righteous or appear to be some sort of, you know, more mature Christian or anything like that. Fasting is meant to be between you and God. And that is the way that it was intended. And actually, I have a quick story about, I believe someone that worked for Crew, uh, I think he might have led Crew or started Crew or something, but I, I heard this story from someone else. And they were saying that he would fast for 35 days in a row and he would not eat anything. The only thing he would, uh, well, the only thing he would consume other than water was juice. And he would do this and nobody would know. He would go to work every day, just, you know, do it, do it like normal. Nobody would know, and, and that is a good example of how we're supposed to do this. But think about, you know, you've been fasting for 34 days. You haven't eaten in 34 days, and you got to go to, you know, like a conference with your coworkers, and you're kind of sitting down, everybody's chatting real quick, and you can't say, like, man, I am so hungry. I have not eaten in 34 days. I could eat a steak right now. You know, you can't say that, or you shouldn't say that, um, because fasting is meant to be uh, between you and God, that was the way that it's intended to be. So now I want to talk about 
um, what Jesus finishes with in this uh, Matthew 6, 1 through 24 kind of paraphrase we've been doing. So this is what it says. Uh, no one can serve two masters, for he will either hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, of course, this is in reference to money, but this doesn't mean that you couldn't put something else in that position. You can't serve God and girls or guys or, um, I don't know, God and, and drinking on Friday night or, I don't know, whatever you might be able to put in there. I guess it's kind of an example of idolatry in a way that if you, you can only be 100% devoted to God, because if you're not all the way devoted to God, then it's not really authentic. That's not the way that... It, it's supposed to be. That's not what God intended for us. So now we get to this point where we're kind of like, well, what does the Bible have to say about being a fake Christian? What, what does the Bible say on this topic? And actually, the Bible says quite a bit. This message was um, interesting for me because I was kind of compiling all of the, the Bible verses and scriptures I might want to use, and these lists are getting longer and longer and longer, and I was like, oh man, I'm going to have some hard decisions to choose, you know, which ones to use in this message. Um, but here, here are the three, I think I chose three, uh, for what the Bible has to say about being fake. So the first one is Titus 1.16. It's pretty simple, pretty clear, and it says, um, They claim to know God, but their actions deny Him. They are detestable, uh, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. I don't know how much uh, explanation that one really needs. It's pretty uh, straight up. It just says, you know, if you, if you claim to know God, but you don't actually know Him, uh, it's your actions, you know, the motive really is what makes the action. The actions are no longer good because the motive is not really good. Uh, next we've got Isaiah 29:13. I like this one because it's from the Old Testament. Uh, this is also quoted by Jesus, um, I think in like three of the Gospels, but I know in Matthew and Luke it's quoted by Him. Uh, it says, these people come near me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based merely on human rules that they have been taught. And man, that's like that one really hits home. And this was written by Isaiah. This was like way back in the day. So it's talking about people who are worshiping God just because that's kind of you know what it is that you do. It's it's like this cultural Christianity idea because. You know, you have this idea that everybody, you know, maybe in the Bible Belt or something like that, people just go to church because that's what you do. And, you know, that happens here, that happens back home. Uh, that's just, you know, what we see in our culture. But that doesn't mean just because you go to church on Sunday or you go to youth group on Wednesday or even maybe you show up to the root discussion, that does not make you a Christian. Um, it's just a, you know, maybe a taught tradition or something like that. Um, but, you know, what really is important, what we need to notice is, uh, where your heart is, right? Their hearts are far from me. God, God is looking at the heart. He is looking for the heart. He wants the heart to be with him or, or you know, turn towards him. Then the last piece of scripture I have here for this topic is 1 John 1, 8 through 10. It says, uh, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive ourselves or our sins and purify us from all of our unrighteousness. If we claim that we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. 
So what's really important, or really cool, I guess, maybe, about this, this piece of scripture is I think that it goes really well with the messages that we've been doing previously. And I actually, I think this message in general, this whole thing goes really well with what we started saying um, back before Sam's series on accountability started, my, the My Faith series, because that one's about you know, taking responsibility, accountability for your faith, making it your own, um, and you, know, you have to have faith to make it your own, and I think that's all involved in authentic faith. And then we started talking about the message that was the, from root from the root to fruit or something like that, I don't remember. And uh, in that message, Sam started talking about how we can look at fruit, um, but fruit is only uh, a product of the heart and where the heart is and you know, what your true motives are. And if they're in Christ and if they're out of love for God and love for others, then you will bear good fruit, but a bad tree cannot bear good fruit and, and so on and so forth. So we see in this one, we start talking about lying and, and deceit, which is what we were talking about last week. And so I think it's just really cool how this one is really ingrained in so many different uh, facets of what we've been talking about recently. It's just all kind of fitting together pretty well. Of course, after talking about what it means to be, or what the Bible has to say about being a fake Christian, we need to ask the question, well, what does the Bible have to say about being a real or authentic Christian? So what we got here, we got a few uh, excerpts written in here. So the first one is 1 John 4, 13-16, and this is what it says. <clears throat> this is how we know that we live in Him, and He in us. He has given us His Spirit, and we testify that the Father has sent His Son to be Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them, and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. That one was a hard one. It took me like three tries to read that verse. But what we see here is, is like a pretty black and white way to know whether God lives in you. It, and it's all about, at least at the start, it talks about the Spirit. And I think that's a really telltale sign of whether you've truly accepted, accepted Christ and received the gift. Um, and that is if you have received the Holy Spirit. Uh, and we'll talk about a little bit more. That's talked about a little bit more here. But the next one we have is John 14, 23. And it says, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Uh, I think that one's also pretty uh, self-explanatory. The thing is, like, kind of the metaphor is when it says, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Now, I like specifically that it's saying uh, we. Now, the reason why it says we is because it is referring to God, um, the Father, and then the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all kind of in one, the Trinity, all in one here. So that's why it uses the word we, and when it says kind of come and make uh, our home with them, it says quite often in the scripture that, that God will indwell within us, you know, when we receive him, when we receive this gift. Uh, but also it's kind of just a metaphor of us kind of joining his family when we become a Christian. All sorts of things are kind of um, alluded to in, in that little excerpt, a little piece of that verse, that little fragment. Um, next we have, I think these are all from John, or, you know, 1 John or John, so that's kind of cool too. Uh, this is uh, 1 John 3, 7, and then 9 through 10. So we skip to verse 8. It says, Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he, as in God, is righteous. And then it says, after a little bit, No one who is born of God will continue to sin, because God's seed remains in them. 
They cannot go on sinning, because they have been born of God. And this is how we know the children of God, and who the children of God, and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother or sister. So this one is, it's a pretty long excerpt, so we're going to kind of break it back down. i got to hold it up here so I can remember what everything it says. Um, but the first part is, um, I think it's, it's cut and dry. It says, uh, um, anyone who loves God is basically righteous, or does what is right, is righteous. And I mean the word righteous has the word right in it. Um, and I think that is, is pretty clear. But when it starts getting kind of iffy is when it says, no one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning. Now this is where things get kind of tricky because you might say, well, Josh, didn't you say like weeks ago when, we, when you gave a message that humans are broken and humans constantly sin. There's nothing we can do about it. And I'd say you're totally right. You can think of, I think it's Genesis 9-6 where it talks about the intentions of the human heart are all evil all the time. It didn't say, after you become a Christian, they're no longer evil, you don't desire things of this world, you don't struggle with you know, spiritual warfare, you don't have temptation. It never says that. It says all evil all the time. And that is true. Uh, but what it does say is, is they won't continue to sin. So what he's referring to here is a habitual sin. I actually, I did a little bit of studying on this because when I first read it, I was like, wait, wait, wait. Like, don't we all sin all the time? There's no way that this is what it means. And, and what he's saying is if you struggle with a sin over and over and over and over again, you just keep going back to it. I think Jesus has one where he talks about a dog going back to its own vomit. We get this kind of like metaphor of like going repeatedly back. That's what Paul is talking, or John is talking about here, is he's saying you, you, keep, you keep sinning with the same sin. Um, now, if you sin this way and then you sin that way, because we all do in every way, it's a little bit different than if you go back and you're kind of almost addicted or struggling in true bondage to a specific sin. Uh, and so what he's saying here is that uh, if you struggle with a sin continuously, um, then I think there are grounds to question the authenticity of your faith. So after all those and after talking about uh, fake, what the Bible has to say about fake Christianity and now what the Bible has to say about real Christianity or authentic Christianity, uh, we might get to this question and it says, uh, how might one become an authentic Christian? I mean, isn't that what we desire? Isn't that the point of this message in, in some way, right? And I would say, um, it, yeah, I think that's a viable question and I did my best to uh, answer this question, but the thing is, is you actually don't have to do much. Um, you really can't do anything. There's nothing that you can do to make you worthy of this position or, or you know, achieve authenticity. That would just kind of perpetuate in a way um, your, like how fake you are if, if your superficiality, I guess is the word I'm looking for, if you're like trying to achieve authenticity. That's, that's not how you do it. All you can do is receive the gift of, of God that is Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that you can do in order to become truly authentic. And uh, what I want to do is I actually want to look at 2 Thessalonians, and this will be pretty much the end of my message. It has uh, Paul talking, and, and he writes, um, I'm going to start in the middle of a sentence. It says, In all the ways that uh, wickedness deceives those who are perishing, 
They perish because they refused to love the truth and be saved. And then a few sentences later he writes, uh, But we ought to always, or we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because God chose you as firstfruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, through belief in the truth. He called you to this through, the, through our gospel, that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, you know, this all kind of boils down to where your heart is. And, and Paul, he preached the gospel in there. It, it, was, it was pretty condensed, but essentially he's saying that all you got to do is, is truly believe in Jesus Christ. Your heart has to be in this belief. It's not, it's not something that you can do. It's all, only something that you can receive. And in reception of this, if your heart is really in the true place, or the right, the right place, then you will have true, authentic faith. Uh, and there your actions and your fruits will all become, uh, we'll say, good, as, as the Bible says. Uh, because when you are in Christ and you're doing things for God and you're loving Him and loving others and everything that you do, then you have truly authentic faith. So uh, that's pretty much all I got for you guys this week. I'm looking forward to next week. We've got one more message and then we'll have... Uh, Sam do the next series, so I'm looking forward to everything with you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great week.